0: Welcome to the Sidenetting Podcast, the place where we discuss all the latest goings-on in the world of football, play a couple of games and almost definitely go off on a tangent or two. I'm Connor Burke and I'm joined as always by my friend, my cousin, but most importantly, my co-host, Kieran Burke.
1: Kieran, how are we getting on? Good evening to you, sir. I am... All good, all the better for speaking to you. Of course, we're not getting on too bad. We're not getting on too bad. Excellent. We love to hear it. We'll
0: get straight into topics and chat. I think, is. Let's do it. Let's do it. So it's one that was left off a little bit in last week's sort of little roundup that we had, but has been discussed ad nauseum by Premier League managers, especially over the weekend, and that is the potential introduction of blue cards. So blue cards, something that's sort of been set up and trialed by. IFAB the football board at the moment and the way that'll work is similar to in rugby if a player gets a blue card they'll go off for a 10 minute sim bin and that'll be for either cynical fouls or dissent at the moment two blue cards will equal a red or one blue card and one yellow card will equal a red and that can also apply it to the goalkeeper as well what do we make of it kids well it's gone down like a lead balloon hasn't it <laughs> um, they're not they're not really pleased
1: I do wonder sometimes whether they put these things out in the open to see what the reaction's going to be like. Before anything like the, concrete the Super happens, League, yeah. The Super League stuff where there was such backlash and then all the clubs came out and said, oh, we, we were never interested anyway, when, <laughs> yeah. when they blatantly were, but they saw the reaction. So I hope it's, it's going to be the case because, yeah, I, I think it's an awful idea. I think it's yeah. been discussed quite a lot in the last week, but I've seen a few very good points that, all that's going to happen is players are going to get 10 men behind the ball for the 10 minutes or whatever it is whilst the player's in the sin bin. And it's just going to slow everything right down. And then it's just like looking at the clock, when's our player coming back on? Just It's, it's just going to slow everything right up. And I think we've discussed in previous weeks about the slight frustration with a lot of the games feeling quite robotic now with a lot of teams setting up in the low block. I mean, you can't knock it because it worked, you'd say yeah. it's sensible, especially against... Yeah. A team like your Arsenal's, your Cities, your Liverpool's, where you're, you're probably not going to beat them going toe to toe. If we're being honest, so I do get it, but there is that frustration. A lot of games feel a lot more robotic now, and I, yeah. I think a blue card system would probably just worsen that by ten times more. To be completely honest, so
0: yeah, yeah. Like most things, I get the point. The what it's trying to combat is very understandable. It's trying to combat the way players are speaking to referees. Yeah. It's trying to combat sort of the breaking up of the game. Like the example that they use in setting it up is the Chiellini foul against Saka in the Euros yeah. final. It's not a foul that's going to get a red card at all, but it's a step above a yellow kind of thing. So that's, that's mm-hmm. the point. I I get that, but it just isn't going to work. Like It's a very rugby approach, and football flows so much differently to rugby. Yeah. Where it's gonna be so much more, as you sort of put their kids, it's gonna be so much more of an impact in those ten minutes on football in a much negative way. Yeah. That, that's why like Premier League managers last week ain't ain't on board, really. Like Big Ange, he came out and he had a big old go about it, but Klopp's not happy. Arteta, Pochettino, Eddie Howell managers that have really gone at about it. Our mate over at UEFA, the UEFA president, he wasn't happy either. So they put they push back the proposal. Now they're going to set things up in March. F- the FA in Wales have trialled it this season, where they've been using a yellow card in place of the blue, because they can not pass the blue due to well, sh- stupid rules, seemingly. Where they have trialled it this season, it's seemingly gone well, but it's a step up from going to Sunday League to actually enacting yeah. it in the, in it's the gonna, big it's level. I was going to say, for
1: anyone that plays Sunday League, obviously will be well familiar with the idea of a sin bin or blue card, whatever it is. Um, but it's more because you've got referees that bottom line can't really control the game and they've got to go around sin binning people. And I'll say from experience, the teams that are the big, the big offenders that end up with sin bins, it has no impact. So I know it's a yeah. completely different um, you know, ball game. It's all about the Premier League. The tactics all change when, when someone goes off. But when it's in Sunday league, it's a completely different kettle of fish. Yeah. And it's more, it's purely for that discipline reason. The refs have a bit of protection there and I feel it gives them a bit of that added, you know, threat of, all right, if you keep chatting back to me, then, you know, you're all going to get simbin But I just can't see that working in, in the Premier League. It's As we say, it's a completely different ball game. And... Yeah.
0: and it's just another thing that's left up to referee discretion, which is just getting worse and worse. as yeah. so well, We do nothing really but complain about the level of refereeing. And the conversation's something, just something. going
1: slowly further and further away from football, isn't it, really? You've got VAR, which, again, you understand why it's brought in, but if, it seems that the back of every game, it's just the conversation is VAR. And then if you add in the blue card, it's just going to overshadow the actual football, which is yeah, what the, everyone wants to see. Even yeah, The
0: VAR thing's very, very different, I think, because for me, and it's a drum I've banged a lot, The problem with VAR is very, very rarely VAR. It is how it is being implemented. It is the refereeing. Like, I know we've had this conversation on this pod before around the Liverpool Tottenham game. And there was all that conversation about VAR. And what sort of split through the net is how terrible the non offside call was on the pitch that sort of led to that whole situation. Like, the standard of refereeing in this country is horrendous. Like, you look at AFCON, the way that. VAR was used during Afcon, was pretty much second to none. Yeah, because it was used the way it's intended. It was correctly used. The officiating was pretty, pretty much spot on throughout, and there was no real complaints about VAR because of that. And you swing it back to here,
1: and that was on a weekly basis because the refereeing is terrible. Yeah, agreed, but I, I think I, I get the idea of the blue card, like being a bad idea in the start anyway. But I yeah, feel like 100%. the refereeing. You'll get like You're Mike Dean out, back in yeah. the day. He'd love a blue oh, card. Oh, like, he'd live for the run blue a card. Driver, Could you a blue imagine? Card. Like there'd beat like six players in a sin bin at a time. <laughs> but they actually would because he's like you'll get the egotistical referees yeah. thinking, "Oh, this 100%. is great." So yeah, I'm not here for it. I'll be honest.
0: We'll see how it gets on. Obviously, they've pushed back till next month for introducing all the guidelines and how it's going to work and where it's going to be tried and all that sort of stuff. So we'll. Sit back and wait for that and see how that unfolds. But the other big footballing story of the week is is the return of the Champions League. Yes. So, obviously, Arsenal play next week. And we'll maybe a little chat before we get into predictions about that. But this week, you had Leipzig losing at home 1-0 to Real Madrid. You had Man City beating Copenhagen 3-1. PSG beating Real Sociedad 2-0. And Lazio beating Bayern Munich mm. 1-0. I'll
1: tell you what, it's a lot. More fun watching Champions League when you know your teams in it as well. I've got to say, <laughs> yeah, I've uh, been a big fan. But yeah, it, obviously everyone loves the Champions League being back. Some massive games. I, I've seen a lot of people say th- this game week in particular. There's not been any real big games. Beforehand. No standout I ties. As yeah. And go, oh, that's a big one. But few, few decent games in there. They're, the first legs are always a little bit cagey, though. I think yeah. it's fair to say. That's kind of trying. That's to just what you get with out. a two yeah. leg system, isn't it? 100%. Yeah, big time. I, I think the second legs are where you always see the amazing games. Like you had the Barcelona six one, was it for PSG? Yeah. Oh, Obviously yeah. the Liverpool Barca um, return game where Liverpool came back in in the, quite dramatic yeah. fashion. The first leg
0: just sets the stage, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think both teams try and feel each other out a bit, and then you get the second leg mm-hmm. where quality usually yeah. shines through. Even, I,
0: yeah, even more so now. There's no away goals rule. So it sort of holds yeah. that back a little bit and it just it does just make the second leg more exciting, but it does take away from the first that little bit more.
1: I think from the Arsenal fans' perspective. Oh, I'm not, I'm not
0: slandering. I'm not. No, 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 no. I'm not slating that at all. <laughs>
1: oh, mate, the thought of seeing a Porto 2-0 win at the Emirates and then we oh, go and win like, like I don't even know. I'm not even going to try and work this it'll out. Be, that, it'll be three. The way it usually it, would be three-one at the Emirates and then we'd win 2-0 yeah,
0: away. That was it. the that's the classic move. That manoeuvre. was our classic. That's classic
1: yeah. Arsenal. We got an away goals oh. after a poor performance, poor performance oh, during yeah. the first oh. leg.
0: The last time we're in a Champions League knockout stage, we get double five one by Bayern. Munich. Oh yeah, all that,
1: which is uh, <laughs> also great. There's been a bit of a Bayern meltdown. I don't know if you've you've seen much of that, but after their result yesterday, calls for for Thomas Tuchel's head. to yeah, there was a bit. Go... Yeah,
0: there was a bit before that. After it wasn't after they lost to Leverkusen hmm. at the weekend,
1: and they lost it's, handily. Yeah, it's, it's the manner they're losing in, yeah. like that. I can't remember what the stat was about their shots on target, but I think they had none yesterday, and, and something like one against Leverkusen on the weekend. So, for a team like Bayern, one yeah. shot on target over two games, and you know, it, it isn't good enough. But to be honest, I think it's obviously a bit of a panic stations. I do still see them going through. They'll they'll be back at home in the next leg. Villazio yeah, that's uh, they've got the quality yeah, there.
0: That's but. a big one for them. The big one for Real Madrid as well, who are still one nil ahead, but still that tight margin. Yeah. Is they're now going home. Yeah, that's the thing. Like Lazio probably would have wanted a bit more of an edge. They're they're going to go in confident enough. They're one 0 up in the in the second leg, but you would have wanted a little bit more of a gap going to the Allianz Arena. Yeah. One last thing on the the round has come through. Brahim Diaz's goal. Oh. Oh my God! Just wanted to get that in there. Unbelievable. Yeah. You were saying about there wasn't that many like real exciting games. But there was a couple, like that goal was phenomenal. Barcola's goal for PSG, another cracker. A couple of really handy little goals yeah, in the week as flashes,
1: well. Flashes of quality. I you think you always get that in the Champions League as well, which is why yeah. I think everyone loves watching it because you've got the best players from the different countries playing each other. Obviously, Bellingham missing for Real yesterday as well. So Diaz, step it up.
0: Definitely. And yeah, so we mentioned that Barcola goal. The other person, as you mentioned there, kids, who got the PSG goal was Mbappe. And the rumours just continue to circle with Mbappe and where he'll go this summer and a classic mental rumor of us being thrown in the mix <laughs> this week where apparently he, a... wants to go, he wants to go to Arsenal to become the next Henri
1: <laughs> I saw a funny clip of uh on CBS where they were they were saying yeah. about it, and, and then Henri's like what are you looking at me for
0: yeah, of I was... course in
1: that exact accent um... <laughs> well-known Cockney. yeah but oh god it yeah, is. Same... It's quite funny. It's quite in, funny because yeah. Arsenal fans do like to get carried away as well, don't we? But uh, yeah,
0: in the I same think... clip, you've got Carragher just finding out about it as well, which is, <laughs> yeah. which is a great moment as well. He's googling it.
1: Yeah, that was a uh, that was just pure gold. Carragher finding out live on air. Arsenal were linked <laughs> to Mbappe. Yeah. I think I think everyone kind of knows it's most yeah, it's likely to going to be Real Madrid. They've been tapping him up for, for about yeah. four years at this point, so. I'd be amazed to see anything other than Real. Although I did see today, obviously you never know how true these things are, that they're significantly reducing their wage offer to him because they're a bit pissed yes, off that... about the, the way it's gone.
0: Yeah, that was one of the things that apparently the Mbappe team weren't happy with as well as the whole total package. And sort of on the reverse, the thing that's stopping Arsenal and Liverpool seems to be how much they're paying and it will basically blow up their entire financial structure and... Yeah. Can you really do that? Especially sort of we're seeing with financial fair play with a lot of teams. Can you afford to do that a couple of years down the line, if, yeah. even if it is a player of the level of
1: Mbappe? I think the the good thing, obviously this is ifs, ifs and buts, but if Liverpool or Arsenal did seriously want to go in for him and he was open to it, I think they're probably in the best financial position where they're not really... Looking too likely to break too many rules. I think Arsenal and Liverpool have both recently brought in players that perhaps aren't considered world class when they've joined, but they're really kind of becoming their strong performers. And I don't think the salaries are like the ridiculous level like you United's are when they brought in your Casemiro's, your Varans on big, big money on kind of multi year contracts. So I feel like they could probably work around it, and obviously you're not paying a transfer fee, which is a big thing as well for someone. The quality of Mbappe, but as you say, it is probably ridiculous figures that being thrown. Yeah, the wage
0: structure is insane.
1: Yeah, it is mad. It is mad.
0: Yeah, I think as you say, I think we are looking at it being Madrid, and it'll be very, very surprising. That sort of in that longer segment on CBS, which I dipped over to America to watch by legal means. um, (laughs) Honoree was saying that between the lines, Henri was saying he's going to Real Madrid. But he, said, he kept saying, like, oh, I'm not sure, I don't know. But the more he said, the more like, "Yeah, he's going he's going to Madrid. But yeah. there was a couple of very interesting segments on that CBS show the other day where Henri was talking about the build-up to the Olympics. And if Mbappe was to go to another club, which is looking likely, how does that affect him being released to go to the Olympic squad, which he said he wanted to do? Oh, really? And... I didn't
1: know he was... Uh... He was planning to
0: do that. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things he's after doing. Which the the short window, I remember, I think it was Pedri did it after the last Euros. Like short window between the Euros finishing, the Olympics starting is a bit mad. But Henri was talking about how he's going to have to have a full discussion with another club, and that's what he's and his him and his team are setting up is these non-French teams releasing their players because the French Olympics was so that like the French teams will release them. Yeah. will the other teams and it was a really interesting conversation you know me anything Henri says I will sit there intently and listen <laughs> that man can can talk the phone book as the cliche goes and I would happily intently listen
1: get him on a little bedtime story
0: oh stop it get Henri on CBB's bedtime story I'd be tuned right in
1: the dulcet tones of King TT oh, getting you off to sleep no, that's stop a, it that, that's a lovely thought <laughs> My birthday's coming up. You've got plenty of time to get that arranged. But moving uh, I'll in... have a look if he's on cameo. I <laughs> I've got a Luke Bennett and an Aaron Hunt. You can uh you can reason step up. There's levels, mate. Uh, <laughs> not sure yeah. I've got the budget for that, but anyway.
0: But yeah, we've got the champion Arsenal champions, we say Porto next week. Before we jump into the Premier
1: League predictions, how are we feeling about Porto? Tough game. It's a very tough game. I think perhaps not just Arsenal fans, but I think across the whole it's being written off a little bit as you know Arsenal should be comfortable you would you would kind of expect us to go through but Porto are a team with a lot of yeah. Champions League they're experience. gonna make it hard exactly and I, I don't think you can underestimate a team that's been in the Champions League and got they've got like to the latter stages as well um, in recent years so yeah I don't think it's going to be easy by any means they're a very tough team to break down so it's one of those you could see like a a nil nil, or or even maybe a one nil loss, or something yeah. like that in the away leg, and then we've 100%. really got to be strong at home and go at them. But to be honest, I wouldn't be too upset if we go into the, back to the Emirates with a draw. I'd, I'd really take that. To be honest, um, yeah,
0: definitely. Any anything avoiding a loss really away, I think, yeah. would be massive because that's going to be really. It's going to be a really tough away game to go to.
1: Yeah, big time, big time. Yeah. But I, I do, I do expect us to go through. But it definitely won't be a walk in the park. And no, in Arsenal, they never like to make it easy anyway. So,
0: Oh, now where's the fun in that? But before they jump over to Porto, there is a weekend of Premier League to get through here. So we'll start off with the three top-of-the-table title race teams. We'll go in a little bit of chronological order. We'll start with Brentford. It's Liverpool, which is our Saturday midday game. Liverpool and Brentford both have a double game week coming up as well. They'll play at the weekend. And then Brentford will play City. Liverpool will play Luton as well. So how do both of those teams sort of set up with those back to back? Especially with Liverpool with a title race, what do you reckon
1: on this one, Kiz? Well, I've not gone. <laughs> I feel like I say this most weeks. I've not gone with the most logical prediction. Here we go. I just really fancy Liverpool to start dropping some points. And okay. Whether or not it's going to be this week or not, I'm I was going to say sure. this Brentford team. I've gone one nil Brentford. <laughs> what? Is that, is that head or heart, though? I feel like there's a mixture there. I think Brentford, when when they're at home, on their day, which, you know, it, I, I get is a bit of a caveat, but on their day, they're a very tough team to break down. They've got Tony back. Obviously, good 2-0 win away at Wolves last weekend. I, just, I see them starting to build a bit of confidence, build a bit of form. Obviously, a massively tough game, but I just whether or not it's this weekend or not, I just have a feeling Liverpool, with City and Arsenal breathing down their necks, are going to start to not drop off. I still think they'll be right up there come the end of the season, but I can see them going through a little couple games of a blip, like similar to what Arsenal done, yeah, where they you know lose a couple of games they should be winning. So like,
0: like I am with Man City,
1: yeah, exactly. I'd still think they'll be up there, but I just see in the next. Whether it's the next few weeks or in a few weeks' time, I just can see Liverpool dropping a few points with the pressure. You know, they don't have a squad that have been together that long, really. They've got, you know, new signings thrown in there. I just think there's going to come a point where they're going to lose a few games and we'll see how they react. But yeah, it, maybe it, maybe it's a bit of a wishful thinking, but I'm going 1-0 Brentford.
0: Well, I'm, I'll never be more happy to be wrong if that comes in for you. But I've gone. I won two on Liverpool. I think it's going to be a yeah. tough game. Brentford, as you say, are a tough team to break down. You've got Tony now back in there getting goals. Potentially Visser back from international break as well. Salah potentially back for Liverpool. We're not sure. Press conferences as of podcast recording, press conference haven't been done yet, so not a hundred percent on that. Uh, Trent out with an injury. It's going to be tricky for Liverpool. It's going to be tricky with the injuries that they're facing as well. But Brentford are six points off the drop. They've won two games in their last nine. I just can't see them turn. It is the midday kick off? And anything can happen on the midday kick off. Yeah. But don't don't back
1: the early kick off.
0: Don't back the early kick off, as they say. But I'm going to back the early kick off, and we're going to <laughs> we're going to go Liverpool to Brentford one on that one. And into three pm in the title race. We've got an Arsenal game again. Burnley. <laughs> we're going bold. We're going it worked bold. out last
1: week. It did work out last, last week. That's for sure. <laughs> Understatement. Can't believe yeah. we didn't pick 6-0. That's outrageous from us.
0: We're talking too much about Luton scoring five that we forgot about yeah. Arsenal scoring yeah. more than five.
1: We did. We did. Um, but
0: they are playing Burnley at 3pm yeah. at Turf Moor, A tricky place to go. But not really this season for most teams.
1: I hate to be overconfident. I really do. But I've gone four no Arsenal. Um, yeah. The way we played and the ruthlessness against West Ham is what we've been wanting to see all season. I think I've said it on nearly every pod for about the first ten weeks of the season. Was mm, we're still in first gear. Yeah. You know we'll come good at some point. I feel like last weekend was the the game. It finally all came together. It's not to say we've had a poor yeah. season. We've shown flashes, but. I think consistently throughout a game, to not take our foot off the gas and just when there's a team there for the killing, kill them. We finally done that. Yeah. Um, and West Ham aren't an easy team. I know they've been on a tough run of form at the minute, um, but they're not an easy team by any means, especially going go there. You know, it, it's a tough game. So, yeah, well, so that was really good from an Arsenal fan's perspective to see. And Burnley. I mean, I don't think we have to say too much. Obviously, lost quite comfortably against Liverpool last weekend. They're just, you know, they're down. Floundering, they're struggling. Is.
0: Floundering is the word.
1: With Burnley, I feel like every other team down there has like a few flashes, yeah. maybe aside from Sheffield United. but
0: Well, they've had the, odd, they've had the yeah. odd
1: win. They won last weekend, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did. But... I feel like with Burnley, you just look through that squad.
0: There's nothing. Is there? <laughs> there
1: is nothing. And that might be harsh. You know, they'll probably go back down to the championship and, and win every game and come up back top. But I just think at the minute, the inexperience of the Premier League and just the kind of lack of a plan B, I think is what I'd say.
0: Yeah, 100%. That's where, that sort of thing will do you well in the championship. But when you come up, yeah. you can't play against these teams the way that, Rinsing company will want to play against these teams. I remember talking at the start of the season, and we did use that in our preview pods as a benefit yeah. of company where he'll go up teams and he'll. But I think that's that it's starting to
1: unstick him a little bit this you, season. You've seen it go both ways because some teams yeah. come up and it really works for them, and yeah. the players growing confidence as they start the season. I think I really do think it's about getting a couple of wins under your belt early and having that belief in. In the system, but Burnley, I think they've lacked the quality and, as I say, the, the kind of clan B. Saying that, <laughs> it would be very Arsenal. Oh, it'd be very Arsenal to to lose the last couple of weeks, definitely. But, I, I, you know, logic says yeah. a comfortable Arsenal win. Yeah. So the thing I've with thought.
0: Burnley as well is if they lose to Arsenal this weekend and Sheffield United get anything against Brighton, then they take the spot of Stone Bottom. Yeah,
1: there, there'll be a new Stone Bottom in town.
0: Yeah, be, so that could that could be a really big one for them. Is is that switch? I don't think either of them have much of a hope of getting out of the bottom three. But if that change does happen, then it's going to spell real danger for Burnley. And so what you're saying, their key is about Arsenal, where it does feel like that Christmas struggle we had has woken them up. Dubai, mate. Dubai, <laughs> Dubai—the Dubai, place of the, dreams.
1: The visit Dubai board are rubbing their hands together, mate. There's a. There's never been a better promotional campaign than what you're seeing in this Arsenal resurgence. It's, it is an
0: advertisement for a, a couple of weeks we refresh away, it is. Everyone's, but, everyone's booking into
1: that little lab. But these next few games,
0: yeah, if we can get out of that gap between Liverpool, playing Liverpool and that massive run we've got Chelsea onwards, if we get out of that five out of five, that is huge in terms yeah. of the title race. If we can go into that, and I think that's the same for Liverpool, Arsenal and City. Is this gap between Arsenal, Liverpool, and we play Chelsea and Liverpool play City on the same weekend. That weekend onwards is when it's really going to kick into gear. So you need to be in a good position going into that. And I've got Arsenal 3-1. I think Burnley are going to cause a bit of mischief, maybe score first, and then we've got a bounce back kind of situation. I definitely don't have it. As easy as you do. But then again, when it comes to Arsenal, the fear is always top of my mind. Yeah. But talking to City, not, not an easy game for City this weekend. The last time they played Chelsea was that 4 all game back in November, mm. which was an absolute wild time. What have
1: you got for this one? Um, I've actually gone 4-1 City. Oh. I just... City, when they're on it, are quite unplayable. And Chelsea is so... They're just such a weird team. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like one yeah.
1: week they look decent. Even when they they beat Palace, um, I think it was the Monday night game. Yeah, they didn't look good, and they kind of come out. They like they were one 0 until the ninety first minute, and then they've they've come away with a three one win. Which if you just look at the result, you think, ah, oh, you know they've beat Palace quite comfortably. They struggle in every game, whether they get a result or not. How they're even tenth? I'm not entirely sure. Um
0: just as a as a little fact, do you remember what you predicted the last time they played each other before that four all game back in November? I don't. Four one Man City. Did I? Well,
1: at least I'm consistent. That's that's the one thing you've got to say about me. Well, if I that predicates another four all, <laughs> then I'm fully well, on board. I'm fully for it. If City drop points, I will be absolutely delighted. But yeah, I, I, I see City winning comfortably. Yeah. They're, they're big on form at the minute. De Bruyne is back. They're purring. They don't look like the th- they're showing th- any signs. The interesting thing there.
0: about City, and it may be a bit of optimism seeping through, but it does feel like they've started their big run too soon. Potentially, they but haven't don't lost we say since that every season? Of... Well, and then they, they haven't win 18 lost
1: games since... in a row.
0: Well, if they do that, then fair play. But they haven't lost since the 6th of December to go do that all the way through till May. Is that not and that not a bit much even for City?
1: It's City. <laughs> I would say yes, but sadly my head says it's what they do, like business. I know it maybe it's not the business end yet, but City can like if there's any team in world football that can conceivably go unbeaten for, <laughs> from December onwards it is Man City. Um so, like that's an
0: insane number of Premier League it games. It is insane, but, but it's, it's very much—it's it? very much one of them. that If they do that, then fair fucks, like fair play. Yeah. Take I'm, the money and get off saying, my property. Yeah, but... we won't
1: be saying that. They, we won't be quite so graceful at the end of the season. <laughs> we'll be saying you corrupt 115 charges.
0: Oh, that's always hanging movies. over it. That's that's a that's a lovely a lovely point. But I don't think City fans will care.
1: Oh, they yet. won't care. They won't care until it's all stripped away from them in a few yeah. years. But. By then, they've had their fun. So. Yeah,
0: they've had their fun. They've had their celebrations. Yeah. You're saying 4-1. I'm going 2-0 to Man City as well. Palmer returning to the Etihad. We'll want a little bit of revenge. I don't think he's going to get it. As you say, this Chelsea team is just so strange. So strange. They're a very weird up-and-down team. With Brentford sort of seeping into that more relegation-y battling Situation this season. Chelsea do feel like they've taken that spot as the mid table team sitting dead 10th. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know if that's going to change between now and May. They're just a very strange team to watch. Yeah. But away from the top three title race, we do drop down to the top four Spurs against Wolves Saturday afternoon.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough one for Spurs. I have got them edging it out 2 1, but I very nearly I've went got the table. I very nearly went two all, although I think Cunha's injured. which he actually He's out to the end me. of the season now. Yeah, I had I literally had two all until I realised that he was he was injured because I think he's that good, real quality player. He's a massive blow. It's a shame to be honest because he's been
0: yeah, fantastic. he's
1: been a real shining light in that team for them. So obviously a big shame um, that he's going to be out. But yeah, I, I still think they've got quality in that team to to give Spurs a scare, but. I do see Spurs coming through that, obviously. Yeah, they beat Son them late back now.
0: Back in November as well. That was that game where they they scored the winner, right, right, right,
1: right, right, at the end. Of course, yeah, yeah. I do, I do think, especially with Son being back. Obviously, he came off the the bench from last weekend.
0: Yeah.
1: In that two-one win at, at home to Brighton, so that's a massive, a massive plus for Spurs. I think they're pretty much full strength now. I believe. Yeah, so, they're pretty much pretty much there now. If if you go by, based on their form, what it was before they had when they yeah, were a bunch of injuries, then then they're a tough team to play. So yeah. Yeah. they're not.
0: I don't think it's going to happen.
1: But they're not a million miles away
0: from that top three, where a couple of falter,s and yep. they could stumble their way. I don't think they're gonna. I think they do drop too many points to do that. But it's still there at the minute. They're what four points off that top four gap, six points off. The thing with Spurs, I five. Think they're
1: five. They're five away. It's like what Arsenal were like. Years gone by, where if another big team lost and we had a chance to capitalise, we'd lose. Yeah, that's I exactly what I think Spurs feeling. have that in them, that bit of naivety, the bit mm. of pressure that they've not really kind of come together fully as a group and got got over uh, yeah. that.
0: But I do think they're gonna they're gonna round out fourth, as we've said multiple yeah. times in this pod. But I do think that which is a good season for them. Oh, it's a fant- we, we were saying that a good season would be top six. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, that'd be fantastic for them. But yeah, I just think they're too exactly what you're saying. They're really Kears, where they don't have the capability to capitalise enough when someone else is going to falter in terms of jumping up to the top three. But yeah, top four, I reckon, will be theirs. The opposite end of the table now, Kiers, what, Everton against Crystal Palace on Monday night?
1: Yeah, not not a game I'll go out of my way to watch, I'll be completely honest. <laughs> Obviously, rumours coming up today that Roy Hodgson is uh, being let go. By the yeah, club.
0: and then he was taken ill today, he's in the hospital at the moment, as we recall on Thursday evening.
1: Yeah, hopefully he is all all good, Big <laughs> Roy. Right. Um but yeah, I, I think Palace really struggling for form at the minute. We've spoke repetitively about their kind of shining lights, um and the flashes of quality that they've obviously got in the squad, the likes of your Azees, your yeah. Elise, both both of whom I believe are injured at the minute. So for me without them two in the team you're really struggling to pick up any points um palace full strength i think you know they're they're probably comfortably around that mid table perhaps just below but without without those two they're massive massive losses for them so i've i've got everton 1-0 i think you yeah, they're a, they're a tough team to to play against especially when when you're the away team going there yeah 100% strong strong defensively and I just see them nicking the goal. Everton 1-0. It it just, it sounds right. It sounds right.
0: Yeah. As you say about positioning, they're not too firm where they are. They're only five points off of Everton in 18th. So a win here mm. really narrows that gap and could get get Palace a bit scared there. Yeah, Oliver Glazner is the new fella that's been talked about being brought in. Yeah. He's the man that brought... The Europa League to Frankfurt a couple of years back. Sorry, it'd be Big interesting. love to Frankfurt. Uh, always <laughs>
1: and forever in my heart, the Frankfurt boys. Uh, unforgettable. What? A trip to Barcelona that will be remembered by by one. That was the That was a season they
0: won the Europa, wasn't it? That was when they beat Barca in the knockouts and they won later on. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the same season.
1: Quite possibly, yeah. Quite possibly. Yeah. But But yeah, yeah, um,
0: Everton, as you say, another tough team to break down, are looking to jump out, narrow the gap. I think they will. And what will be handy for Everton is they'll see what's happened across the weekend. And there is an opportunity there for them to jump out if results go their way of the bottom three. So if that's the case, they will be even more wanting to go for it on Monday night. I've gone two all. I think it's going to be a tight one. Just gone for a draw, but. Everton win was sort of wavering here and there. We will once again, as always, Kieran see how these predictions go on over the weekend, and we'll have our update next week. But up next, in the second half of the show, we've got the return of in the bin. <laughs> up next, we have in the bin. So in the bin is where myself and Kieran will pick a category or topic, and we both have to make our choice for the thing we want to throw in the bin away, gut red. Out of here, done. We'll have a little debate, go back and forth, pick the one thing that's thrown in the bin, and whoever gets the most things in the bin across the three ta- categories will get to put something on the shelf nice and safe that would have fit into one of the categories. So we'll start off, kids, with your pick for this week and
1: managers. Yes, yes. There was a, a long list, actually, of managers I, I feel like I could have gone for here. Um, who were the honourable mentions so I think probably regular listeners, which I don't know if we do have any, but any that have listened, <laughs> all two of them, all two of them that have listened to a past episode might have heard. Probably a, you, to be fair, kid. <laughs> I've listened, did I tell yeah. you? We don't. We're not fans of Sean Dyche, so he was definitely up there. Yeah. Our, our hatred of Stoke throughout the years. Tony Pulis gets a big, big honourable mention as the spearhead of that absolute scummy team, but perhaps to avoid repeating myself too much. I I branched away from that slightly and had a bit of a think. And one man came to mind, and to be honest, I've got a few points to back it up, but not a whole lot. It was more just the general point of I don't really like him. He seems a bit of an arsehole, really. And he's just quite an unlikable character. So the man I actually ended on um, was Alan Pardew. Okay, I feel like that's a little bit left field. I don't think people hate on Pardew much or enough. He just seems like a massive bell end. Yeah, um, he does have that energy, doesn't he? And like towards the end of his career, like that that cup final for United, like he just he really wound me up. Like it, looking back, <laughs> it is quite funny, but like he just seems like a right bell like he's always on the wind up to the other manager, and obviously. I think this is probably where my my main point comes from is the whole relationship with Arsene Wenger obviously. Oh yeah, just just on. having to scroll through now. So <laughs> Pardew criticized Arsenal for not fielding any English players in the Champions League win when we we beat Real Madrid in 2006 Oh, and then, for God's sake <laughs> and then if Wenger you're going to have a go Pardew's at them, xenophobic.
0: Good. But if you're gonna have then, a go at them, don't do it after one of the biggest wins in their entire history. Uh, Not to so, uh, jump on a debate 18 years later. But
1: I know. And then the best part is, Wenger called Pardew xenophobic, and he said, "Boss, I can't be xenophobic. I'm married to a Swedish woman," which gives <laughs> which gives very much vibes of. Oh, I'm not racist. I've got a black mate, so Pardieu there, I'm covering so himself. In I'm so glad glory. you bought these receipts, kid. <laughs> mate, come with receipts, pardu You're just a, you're just a bell ender. Oh. Yeah. And then again, he had another argument, which is probably one that a lot of Arsenal fans will remember. If if you're over the age of 21, I'd say was um, the big touchline dispute between Arsenal and uh, between for Arsene Wenger and Pardieu. When we played West Ham in, back in 2006,
0: and Pardew
1: yeah. was going mad celebrating when they scored that late winner, and then Big Arson gave him a shove, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I think ever since then they—I thought like this they has turned best of friends. I thought like this has turned sort of low-key into a Wenger love loving it, <laughs> mate. Back your boy is what I'll say. Um, <laughs> back your boy. But I think here with the receipts,
0: <laughs> timestamps, screenshots, everything, <laughs> mate, right here. In,
1: you, If you're coming for someone's head top like this, you've got to come with receipts. But I think Pardew wound up a lot of managers. Obviously, yeah. I'm talking from an Arsenal fan's point of view, but there's a lot of shit that he's done. It's very English arrogance, isn't it? It is, it is. And a big one that's coming up here, as I was, as I was having a flick through before the pod, was um, when he head-butted David Mailer when he was at Hull in, uh, oh, in 2014. Sh- oh. So that was uh, a <laughs> big fun, and he's actually fined a hundred grand for that by Newcastle. So, big pardu. an expensive headbutt for him there, and a free free game ban on the touchline. And he got fined a further sixty thousand by the FA in addition oh, yeah. to the hundred grand from Newcastle. So, hundred and sixty grand's worth a headbutt there. So, I hope Not that you the good.
0: FA fined him less than his own.
1: <laughs> it's quite fu- quite funny, isn't it? But yeah, I, I think I've got enough points there. But it generally feeds into. Bad vibes. Bad vibes. I feel like he's one of those that if he's your manager, you like him because he's a bit of a shithouse. But I just think in general, he's a bit yeah, of a prick. I understand so, that. So, yeah, you. Obviously, there was a few honourable mentions I could have gone, which is more straightforward. You know, th- Those teams of like the Pulis era with Stoke. And obviously, yeah. you know... Pulis, spoke Pulis about and Geist Dice enough.
0: have had had enough of a kick in from <laughs> us, I think. We'll, yeah. we'll leave him for one week. That was yeah. very much my... My approach to it.
1: Yeah. So Pardew Pard, took the uh, the top spot for me there.
0: An excellent choice there, kids. I've got a different way about it. I did Obviously, I did immediately think of Dice, and as we say, we'll give him yeah. a break. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And the way I've gone about it is it's not one specific manager. It's more a group of managers. Okay. It is any manager that was a part of the England golden generation. <laughs> yeah. Gerrard, yeah. Lampard. Both Nevels, John Terry as an assistant coach alongside Ashley Cole, assistant coach, Rooney, Sol Campbell. I'll I'll leave off Michael Carrick for now. One, he seems to be doing all right at Middlesbrough. Two, I don't know if it really counts for Golden Generation. I'm not sure he was there, but not not like the other players I've listed. So I'll leave off Michael Carrick, but everyone else I've just mentioned. Because it's the overhype. Whenever they approach a managerial position, it's the overhype around them and they almost consistently do terrible Gerard, the only team he did well with was Rangers and I'm not going to make any other comment than that Lampard he did okay with Derby but when he was given bigger teams he absolutely capitulated look at what he did with Everton look at what he did with Chelsea like terrible Neville bless Gary Neville at Valencia I don't even want to slander it because I just feel bad for him, <laughs> horrendous Phil Neville, my biggest indictment on Phil Neville was what he did with the England women's team the second he left, they won a European Championship What I don't know what more you can say than that and then Terry and Ashley Coles just followed around these other mentioned Golden Generation players and Terry's just sort of chilled as an assistant coach Rooney he tried with Derby, bless his heart. That weren't his fault. And then he was binned off immediately at Birmingham. I just think you just look at all these places. it's like they only get a job because of what they did as players. They've got never got a job because they're good at management. They're two very different things. They're trying to be Arteta and they're ending up. <laughs> They're ending up like Luke Garrard managing Boreham Wood.
1: Mate, we can't you can't slander the big the big Lukey G, mate.
0: Well one's managing Arsenal fighting for a title race, the other's not even in the Football League pyramid. That's all I'm saying. It's a fair Big point. up to Luke Garrard, he's a lovely at Boreham Wood, but he's in the conference.
1: It's a fair point.
0: So that's that's my my it, point there. It's Kim. a
1: very, it's very good shout. I think it does come down to the arrogance, doesn't it? It's like Well, I was good at football. Yeah. Um you should all know how to do this and this and this. It's hard to know without being there day to day, but I think results speak for themselves. You know, I was going to say, so. you,
0: you can know because you see what they've done with yeah. their teams. Yeah. Like, I Lambert, meant more the arrogance. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, they've yeah. been
1: proven as a- average managers, but yeah. you do assume there is a, a- an element of that in there. Gerard, as manager, did
0: provide one of my favourite ever memes, though. And that's when he was signed, when he joined Rangers. And he goes into that room where they've got a picture of the queen up. And he just looks <laughs> so baffled. And it's yeah. just a, an absolute perfect image. So his managerial career did give us that. And obviously, before he got beaten into the ground, Lampard did give us the Lampardian transition where he makes the joke and then goes straight face. Yeah. So for a while, yeah. that was cracking. Yeah. And then he got murdered. Like he's now doing it on adverts and stuff. and when that, Like the, like the Warnock thing. When they start
1: doing that on adverts, it just ruins yeah. the joke. If I had to push you to pick one in particular, who would you be uh, leaning towards as the worst of the? Bunch?
0: I think the worst offender is Lampard or Gerard? I'm hmm. ironically, I'm struggling to pick between Lampard and Gerard, which was the story of their <laughs> yeah. entire England careers. But I think I think I'd land on Gerard, as I think Lampard's become a bit of a joke, whereas Gerrard is still sort of given some sort of reverence. Maybe not so much after how poorly his time in Saudi Arabia went. Maybe he is starting to go. uh has he? Has he been sacked
1: or is he still managing out there?
0: Pretty sure he got sacked recently.
1: Fair mm. play to him.
0: So I, th- I think I'd land with Gerard. He's taken
1: the top spot.
0: It'd be a toss-up between the two for certain. Mm. Because, as I say, like they only get any sort of treatment because they used to play you play good for England, you manage good. That's not how it works. Yeah. That's not how it works. And they'll continue to get big jobs because of that
1: fact. I think Rooney's a prime example. Yeah, 100%. Going into a Birmingham side that were doing very well at the time, I think they were sixth. He came in, lost pretty much every game and got sacked about two months later. So it just shows hiring based on a name never really works out. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. That's sort of what it comes down to. And I think because we are in England, it's so prevalent here. I'm sure people in other countries have similar things with ex pros managing in big clubs in them because it's not isolated to England. It's just they are the players that are big over here. You see it all over the shop. It's sort of where you get some good managers, but you also get some absolute turgid shite as well. It's
1: how it works. Yeah. Swings and roundabouts. Yeah. Well, should we come to a decision here, kids? It's a tough one because it's kind of like a group against an individual. Yeah. So I feel like it's easier to lean towards a group because you've got more examples. But then I don't know if it's a bit of a cop out choosing. a, a uh, bunch. Gerard
0: is still now managing in Saudi Arabia, by the way.
1: Huh.
0: He manages Al Etif- Etifak.
1: He must be unbelievable. That was Henderson's team, wasn't it? He was obviously. It was, lo- yeah. Loving I wonder if he's getting paid Gerard. by him. He was loving life. Now he's gone over to Ajax. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's tough. It's a tough choice because there's a lot of, as you say, there's a lot of good examples from that England golden generation. Like, Even when I was going through, we've gone through in depth. There's, yeah.
0: Like obviously there's Lampard and Gerrard and Neville were immediately in my head. But then I went through the team and was like, and him,
1: and yeah. him, and him. Yeah. It is quite funny how many have become failed managers. Yeah.
0: As I say, Carrick's the only one with a sort of bit of cachet in him at the minute. Yeah, and that's he's currently in the championship, which is where you should be, and you should build yourself up. So we don't know how he'd be when he yeah. when or if he gets a higher level job in the Premier League. But at the minute I'm not going to include him,
1: he's the only one that's got off. To be honest, I'm, I'm happy either way we go here. I think both have have strong points. Um, Pardew, he's just a bit of a bell end. Obviously, we've got a few uh, <laughs> a few events over the years. My favourite being now, nah, boss, and married to a Swedish woman, which is um, a great response. I'm going to use that in my day. Fantastic! It's fantastic. But yeah, just the general shyness of that. But it's even, the
0: level. I think. I think we've got a good yeah. golden generation. We're I think the in... strength and depth. Yeah. Of...
1: <laughs> It's not just one. It's not just two. It's not just three. It's like three quarters of the squad. Yeah, um, it's it's the bulk of the starting eleven. Yeah, it is that is quite funny. Yeah, I'm uh I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Let's go. I'll, I'll let you okay. as the as the man selecting it put it in the bin.
0: England's golden generation as managers get yourselves immediately in the bin.
1: They're gone. There we go. That the lid is closed. Do, is there not an argument that the the managers that managed them were so bad they passed <laughs> down their shitness? Because if, if one manages him that much, they must have been real bad. I mean, poor Sven. I, poor we, Sven. I feel like it's, it's unfair to talk bad about Sven at the minute, with obviously everything that's going on. So yeah, we'll
0: just and he's a lovely we'll, fellow we'll as well. I'll it. take no yeah. no Sven well, He it. knows about being married to. We him love Sweden, Sven
1: so. He can. Uh... <laughs> <That ain't done. laughs> He's taken it from the Padu book of book of knowledge there. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, we'll jump to the next category because we'll we'll leave
0: the golden generation to drown in the waste that is piling on top of them, and we'll go to the next round of pundits. Yeah.
1: So interesting one. I think I'll let you start off on this uh, this discussion.
0: Okay. Well. As, as we discussed with commentators recently on the pod, there are many, many, many options you could go for these, usually isolated on either TNT or BBC. I'm going to go for BBC for mine. I'm going to go to the match of the day. And admittedly, I'm not a regular watcher of match of the day, but if Danny Murphy yeah. is on there, there is not a single yeah. chance I am watching a moment of that program. His voice, dull, dreary, tiresome. He doesn't sound like he likes football. And That was a topic that really came up when we were talking about commentators the other week, is they don't sound like they like the sport yeah. they are paid to talk about. And he is a prime example. Yeah. He is horrendous. He doesn't... He As a player that played for many years at a high level, I'm still not convinced he knows anything tactically about football. It's negative, proper football man bullshit tiresome getting the bin
1: as as a regular watcher of match of the day completely agree the man is just fucking dreadful and dull and just lacking any sort of sense yeah. to him he was actually He's making on. a bad name for bald he people. was actually on after Arsenal's win against Liverpool and
0: really brings the really mood did.
1: down huh? I, I nearly had to switch off but thankfully he soon came off and the highlights were on again so so we were back in the clear, but yeah, just he's genuinely awful. I've gone with a man who seems like he hates both football and his own life, just comes out with utter shite. His bias towards Liverpool is unbelievable. I've gone Graham Soonas. Um
0: Oh, i forgot about I forgot that he existed to quote as yeah, well. I
1: just whenever i see him on sky i just think well he's retired now from the old punditry hasn't yeah. he he finished last I, season i feel like I the was. man you know he's had enough years to to have scarred me for life on his uh, Oh on of
0: course he really left an indelible mark in your he psyche he did
1: he did just yeah i he's just he's i think we spoke a bit around this when we were talking about um kind of co-commentators last week when someone's so blatantly just biased towards, and they've got their kind of, I'd say, rose-coloured tinted glasses on just towards their own club. And they can do no wrong. If they lose a game, it's because of X, Y, and Z, a poor decision, the other team cheated. And it just gets really boring. Um, And, you know, I get you have, like, the spread of clubs across, um, you know... Games. Yeah there's
0: a there's a level there isn't there where when it goes above
1: that it's like level... when there's a Liverpool game on it just seems to be all Liverpool and I feel like Souness used to always spearhead that that yeah. kind of clan if you will and it was always just so just banging on about that and to be honest he seems like a bit of a dick as well so that yeah. that feeds in I know it's it's purely based on you know their punditry which admittedly he shite at as well but <laughs> Yeah, I just find him quite a irritating individual as well.
0: Yeah, two dreadful pundits. Fortunately, we are now saved from Souness on TV because he finished with Sky, I think it was last season, and Danny Murphy is only really on match of the day. So we're sort of mostly shielded from him, fortunately. But that doesn't stop both of them being terrible at the job that they were paid yeah. to do, and in Souness' case, a very long time paid to do. So... I would say two excellent choices, but more aptly two terrible choices. Yeah. I think for longevity, for how often he was like in front of you, spouting his inanities. I think it's got to be Sunus. I'll, I'll back you on that one.
1: Well, in that case, then it, it only leaves me one thing to do. And it's uh, Graham Sunus. get yourself in the bin immediately. Beautiful. He's there. He's in there with Rooney and the lads,
0: soaking up the waste. The last category we've got, kids, is our free hit. So on this one, it doesn't have to be sports based. It doesn't have to fit into a category. The world is your oyster. You can even pick oysters, whatever you want,
1: <laughs> or the world for that matter. What you got for me, kids? You'd have to be quite a bitter individual to pick the world. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm not quite as a As bitter as that? Not yet, anyway. At this tender age, give me another few years, and I'll I'll be back, putting the world in the bin. Um. Well, you know, you know me. I like to go a little rogue. Well, actually, you know what? This isn't even really rogue, but it's yeah, it's like perhaps slightly random, perhaps not. I've gone for people that make star signs their personality type. (laughs) (laughs) That is, I'm fully on board with that. Like, mate, no. You're not in a bad mood today because the moon's rotated on a swivel at 20 degrees extra than usual, and it just so happens you were born in the month of May. You're just a, <laughs> you're just a bit grumpy today, Vlad. It's just... kids. What, what is your star, son? Mine's Aquarius, and I'm about to God, tell you a hundred so... things about it and why that makes me who I am and why I wake up at 6.20. This is such an Aquarius moon. point of view. <laughs> oh, God. You're such an Aquarian. You, you, know, you, you literally woke up today. Um, the best thing to do is to tell them a different
0: one. And <laughs> yeah. they say, oh, you're so excited. Oh, I, I, love, <laughs> I love when they're like,
1: let me guess. And they and they give you about eight. And you're like, no, nah, you're, you're still not there. And then they land on it. They're like, oh, I knew it. Like, oh, you, I could tell. I could sense you. it. It's just like... <laughs> The thought of basing your life based on what your star sign is, like reading a little, you know, these little bullshit things that are in like magazines and stuff like, oh, oh. if you're an Aquarius, then, you know, your your month is going to be like this and this and this. And the fact that people really base their lives off of that stuff. There's a
0: personal fortune on your horizon. Oh,
1: I, I do hope so. I could really do it at the moment. In that case, <laughs> I'm bought in. I'm all is. you could have win a tenner on a scratch. <laughs> <I'm all laughs> yes, things are looking up. But yeah, I just... Find it insufferable nonsense. I mean, if you believe in it, you believe in it, but don't ram it in everyone's faces. And I feel like those people do. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. It's different between like it was a little
0: bit of enjoyment until it's your entire personality that you're spouting this bollocks.
1: It's like, yeah, leave it,
0: leave it, mate, leave it a bit. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Yeah, I think that's a spot on choice, kids. I've gone with something that might not be entirely popular, but it's something I feel pretty strongly about. And there's very few exceptions to this rule. Films that are over two Ooh, and a half hours. That's
1: a good shout. That's a good shout. What are the exceptions out of interest?
0: So I would always say if it's the peak of a, a series, so okay. like, I, I know this is a very filmy thing to say, but the Avengers I was about films. To say that.
1: that was the one that sprung to mind like, for me.
0: Yeah, Infinity War and those those kind of yeah. films, where you've got a big story to tell. Fair enough, go for it. You can have up to three hours. No film should be over three hours. If it's over three hours, you can make a three part series. Yeah. And people, are, oh yeah, but you'll watch a three part series. You won't watch a big film. That's because I can stop after an episode, an hour long episode. I can have a little break and I can come back to it. Or I can watch a few in a row. I have the choice. The power is in my hands. If I've got a film on and then I take a break, I've got to come, back. where was I in the film? What was happening? You've got, at least in a series, you're in these little blocks. Yeah. And to sit through it, most of the time you can lose about half an hour. Yeah. Of yeah, these films. very true. I
1: feel like in our general like this day and age as well, the attention spans are getting less and less with your, your text an ar- and stuff. Yeah. I feel like that's an yeah. argument. If you if you put a fella playing Subway
0: Surfer on underneath a three hour film, <laughs> then then all, maybe it's a very different in. case. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, like a bit of foam being dropped into a burning hot metal ball or something like that. Oh, stop it! I'm there. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? That's a that's a very good a very good shout. I'd uh, I'd agree with that. I don't think there's any need for a film over t- your two and a half hours in fact if i I rarely go to the cinema, but that definitely plays a factor, even if it's over two hours yeah. to be honest, I'm usually like, uh, eh. unless I really want to see it
0: yeah I, I, I won't bother. I'd usually yeah somewhere between two and two and a half would be my my cut off, but at the very very top end of the limit, two and a half hours if it's if it's over two and a half, you've got a really bloody good reason yeah. for it. Well, like, as I say, if there's a if there's a real pack, a lot of story to pack in there, there may be, but you really just could, could you could have made a series. You could have just could, could just put it put it, and I think that is a very modern way of looking at it. That, as I say, filmy people will not be happy with that. So, you know, that's just sort of where I stand on it. I just, it's not necessary, kids. It's not necessary. Yeah, yeah. But we'll come to a decision here. Two very good choices. I'm happy with the. To be fair,
1: six excellent choices this there has week. been. husband, has husband. If we do say so ourselves, my, uh, my my immediate thoughts are the thing is with the film you can you're able to avoid the over two and a half hours, but with the star <laughs> signers, in the words of Liam Neeson, you, uh, they will they just find you and they will tell you their star <laughs> sign. So <laughs> there's no there's no getting away from it. But you know what the the over two and a half hour films is also a very good choice. Tra- I think. I'm I'm actually happy with both of these. Again, I feel like I'm I would be happy either way. I think both can belong in the bin. To be honest, but it's a tough choice. I think
0: you, yeah. I think you did make a very strong argument there about you can actively avoid the films. You cannot <laughs> actively avoid a star sign personality person. So I think I'll let you do the honors, and we'll land on that, kids. So I'll let you. Add them to the bin and then you can tell us what's going on the shelf this week.
1: So people that make star signs their personality type, you are going into the absolute pit of the bin and I hope you enjoyed listening to uh, the likes of Soonest whilst you're down there and I'm sure you'll have a lovely conversation. What do you reckon Souness is star (laughs) sign? Well, he's given big, you know, Taurus vibes. I don't have a clue what that oh, means. He's, he's, a he's a massive, massive Taurus. <laughs> so there we go.
0: There you go. So that's the bin selections, Dunkers, and you have now the honour of throwing something up safe on the shelf. What is it this week? Kiz, Kiz, Sunes Su- Su- is a Taurus. He, actually... <laughs> 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 he was born on the sixth of May. He's a Taurus. I think we're going to have to take him and out of the bin. That,
1: <laughs> I am officially a star sign boss.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Bin. I have become
1: what I despised, but I'm I'm there. He's a classic we, bloody classic tourist. tourist you always make it about yourself. Classic. Oh god, that's brilliant. That that has made my day. Um Oh my god, what a time. He's a bloody Taurus
0: and with that wonderful <laughs> note, kids have you got something for the and shelf there? You know
1: what I want to do, I'm Rattling Joey Barton, Any Aluko, you're on the shelf.
0: <laughs> Excellent stuff.
1: Congratulations, Any, a cracking well pundit.
0: And even cra- an even better rattler. <laughs> well done. Kiz, thank you very much for joining me Pleasure today. As always, everyone else, thank you for listening. This has been the Signet and Podcast, the number one podcast for both Tauruses and Those that can only count to three. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.